Chapter 38 Your Majesty, this is most inappropriate. Marquis Corbo paced around the room as Gustav ripped the paper off packages and muttered a quick comment to the scribe, who scratched out a suitable a thank-you note as he could manage under the circumstances. If there is an enchanted object here, we need to find it. Our safety is more important than propriety. Marquis Corbo waved his hands in the air in frustration and turned his attention to correcting thank-you notes over the scribe's shoulder. The door opened, and Gustav looked up. This would be a lot more fun with Lady Mare assisting, but it was Kara who entered the room. I thought I might be able to help. She looked hopefully at Gustav. He turned to Elaine, who nodded. We're pulling out all the smaller boxes first. They seem more likely to contain gemstones. If you bring packages to Gustav, I can focus on checking the items. Kara nodded and walked over to the jumble of gifts. The boxes had been pushed back against the bookshelves in haphazard piles. She searched the nearest stack, pulled out a small box, and brought it to Gustav. From Gavrin, she said with a shy smile. The dwarfs there know magic, so this seems like a good place to start. Gustav took the box. His fingers brushed against Kara's hand as he did so, and her face flushed. She looked quickly around the room, and Gustav followed her gaze. Marquis Corbo was arguing with a scribe about the wording on a thank-you note. Elaine was studying a pile of delicate purple glass that had probably been a vase before the accident. No one was paying attention to them. Kara spoke rather quickly. Gustav, there's something I need to tell you while I have the chance. Gustav hoped he didn't look as panicked as he felt. He motioned for Kara to continue. She swallowed before speaking. Thank you. That seemed to be the extent of her speech. Gustav blinked at her. What was she thanking him for? And why did it leave her so flustered? When I was nine, I sprained my ankle in the garden while I was here visiting Colette. You carried me back to the castle. It was a hot day, and I know I was heavy. But you never complained. Never said a word. And I was too shy to thank you then. So I'm thanking you now. I don't remember. He truly didn't. His head didn't ache from the golden fog or his injury. His mind was clear for once, letting him search his memories. And they didn't include Kara. She ducked her head. It was nothing special for you. Of course not. That's just what you do, isn't it? Help people. That was just one incident in many. I'm sorry. There's no need to apologize. Except there was because Kara looked absolutely crushed. Gustav stammered a little, trying to think of something to say. Perhaps he should have lied and said he remembered. But he had a feeling that would have caused an entirely different problem. Oh, is that from Gavrin? They're known for enchanted objects because of the dwarfs. Elaine hurried over to examine the box. Kara smiled sadly at Gustav and moved away. He tried to ignore the disappointed slump in her shoulders as he opened the gift. It contained a ruby brooch. The red gem and gold clasp glistened in the sunlight. Elaine let her breath out in a slow hiss. Enchanted? Gustav asked. Elaine tapped her finger against the stone as if checking to see if it were hot. When nothing happened, she picked it up and cradled it in her palm, 
then pulled it close to her mouth and whispered something that Gustav couldn't quite make out. When she lowered the gem, it looked exactly as it had before. It doesn't seem enchanted, she said. Just extremely generous. You're still suspicious? Elaine nodded. Gavron must have some reason for giving you such a valuable present, but perhaps it has nothing to do with magic. I suppose we should keep looking. Gustav sighed and turned his attention back to the mountain of gifts. Kara had disappeared. What would your majesty like to say about the brooch? The scribe said. Marquis Corbo gave Gustav a look, as if daring him to make an inappropriate comment. Gustav stared at the glittering ruby, trying to organize his thoughts. Why would Gavrin give him such a valuable gem? They were on decent terms with Montaigne, but had never been a close ally. Gustav wanted to say that the gift was as baffling as it was beautiful. If Lady Mare had been there, he would have signed it to her. She would have said something clever that would help him make sense of the situation. But she wasn't there, and Gustav swallowed his words as he always had before he met her. Tell the King of Gavron that I am truly grateful for such a generous gift, he said instead. It has left me speechless. Chapter 39 Squawk Spot flew circles around Fiora as she limped barefoot through the garden. She tossed the crust of bread she had grabbed for him into the air. The seagull dropped the shell and dove for the food. Fiora caught the shell, checked to confirm that it had Zoe's song carved into it, and walked through the garden towards their usual meeting place. Squawk. Spot flew towards the beach instead. Towards the place where Fiora had taken Gustav when she rescued him after the kraken attack. She changed course and followed the bird, wishing that she had stopped to find shoes before leaving the castle. She had left the golden heels in Dowager Queen Bernadine's room and gone barefoot without thinking about it. Which meant everyone in the castle had seen her once again behaving improperly, and she now had to climb down the rocks without protection for her feet. Last at all. Fiora walked carefully, trying to avoid sharp edges and balance her full skirt while she moved. This climb had been easier without clothing. She reached the sand and followed Spot to the enormous rocks at the end of the beach. They would provide a nice hiding place for a more private meeting. Fiora. Zoe sang her name, sending a spray of mist and rainbows dancing in the ocean breeze. Fiora grinned in spite of everything and walked to the edge of the water. The waves washed over her toes, numbing the pain. Fiora waited until she was ankle-deep, pulling her skirt up to keep it dry. As the water danced against her skin, she could almost forget she was cursed. The roar of the wind and waves made her heart sore. For all that she had tried to escape it, the ocean was home. Whether she was on the coast or beneath the surface, it had always been there for her. Come around to the other side of the rock so we're hidden. Fiora lifted her skirts and waded deeper until she was completely hidden behind the enormous boulder in the water. She sat on the driest stone she could find and dangled her feet in the ocean. Have they found a way to break the enchantment? They're still working on it, but Althea isn't hopeful. She sent me to see how you're getting along with King Gustav. Zoe nodded towards the pearl ring. Fiora held her hand forward to show her cousin. It's working. Zoe said. It's gleaming more than it was last time. Fiora squinted at the pearl. It was difficult to tell in the bright sunlight, 
but the pearlescent streak did look a little wider. Althea said you should try singing the counter charm every few hours. She's not sure how much love you will need before you regain your voice, but it might not take all of it. That was a little comforting. Maybe giving Gustav the statue of his father would win enough of his heart to return her voice so she could return to the sea. I brought you some jewelry for the gala tomorrow. I overheard some humans on a ship talking about it. It sounds very fancy, and I know humans like to decorate themselves for fancy events. It will be fancy. Zoe beamed. The humans said the king might choose a bride there. They're celebrating Gustav's birthday. Some of his advisors want him to choose a bride, but he doesn't want to. Of course he does. Zoe said. At least, he will once he sees you in all these jewels. Fiora expected Zoe to produce something recovered from a shipwreck, but the mermaid pulled a simple strand of pearls and coral from her hair. Fiora ran it through her fingers before slipping it over her head. Thank you, Zoe. It's lovely. I made it myself to bring you luck. I've been trying to think of ways to help. Oh, speaking of help, I should probably warn you. Before Zoe finished her thought, Madame Isla burst through the water. She carried a soggy lump of something that Fiora eventually realized was fabric. The mermaid stretched the fabric out, and Fiora laughed in silent surprise. It was a dress. A waterlogged dress retrieved from the bottom of the ocean. The fabric had probably been green once, but exposure to sunlight and salt water had faded it to a sickly yellow. The thread was holding on as best it could, but it had disintegrated in places, leaving one of the sleeves dangling precariously from the shoulder. It's the best I could find, Madame Isla said. It should be dry by tomorrow night, but I'm not sure how the humans will react to it. Perhaps you would make a better impression if you followed mermaid custom and went in your natural skin decorated with oysters. Fiora pressed her lips together, her eyes watering with silent laughter as she imagined attending a formal gala in the nude. Yes, that would certainly make an impression. Then Gustav could offer the Ionian sweater to her instead of Annabelle. The humans have already loaned me a dress. Oh? Well, I hope it's suitable. It's a good thing I brought some other supplies. Madame Isla tossed the dress against a rock, where it landed with a sickly squelch. Then she hauled up a fishing net overflowing with items. You may not realize this, Fiora, but human courtship rituals are long and complicated. They cannot usually be completed in a matter of days. Fiora rolled her eyes. She did not need Madame Isla lecturing her on yet another aspect of being human. It was the forks all over again. But the king already loves her, Zoe said. Look at the ring. Madame Isla looked and nodded in approval. He has some feelings for her, but not enough yet. That's why I'm here to help. How could you possibly help? Madame Isla pulled the fishing net onto a flat rock and sorted through the items inside it as she spoke. Human courtship rituals take a long time but human seduction may be completed in a matter of hours. I am going to help you seduce King Gustav. Fiora blinked. Seduce him? Yes, seduce him. We are going to make you irresistible to this human man. Is that a dead fish? There is a human saying. You get to a man's heart through his stomach. If you cook him food, 
he will be more likely to view you as a future mate. I wasn't sure if you knew how to cook, so I also had our chef prepare some things. She set the fish down and pulled out a few lumps of mermaid food, which looked like greenish mud mixed with fish scales. Madame Isla set them beside the fish, where they slowly began to flatten out and ooze green liquid. Fiora gagged. Spot noticed the dead fish and hopped closer to investigate. Madame Isla waved the seagull away and continued. We will build a fire and roast the fish. Then we will decorate your hair with gems and flowers so you sparkle and smell nice. Once the man sees you sparkling, smells you, and eats the food, he will be yours. Fiora wasn't sure if she should laugh or cry. It's not that simple. Come closer so I can arrange your hair. We need to win him over before the gala so he doesn't have the chance to change his mind once he sees all the other girls. Other girls. Gustav was with Elaine right now, and Fiora was sitting on the beach with delusional mermaids, a dead fish, and a hungry seagull. She was doomed. Madame Isla picked up a large fork and held it so it gleamed in the sunlight. Fiora swallowed and turned to Zoe. Maybe she could still salvage this situation. Zoe, there is a statue in our summer garden that is a likeness of Gustav's father. Could you bring it to shore so I can give it to him as a gift? Ah, gifts, Madame Isla said knowingly. It is more common for the man to offer them to the woman, but that's not a bad plan. Go fetch the statue, Zoe. You might be a little young to witness seduction, anyway. I am not seducing King Gustav, and I'm certainly not letting you help. You most certainly will. Or I'll go back and tell Queen Galaris that you're stealing a statue from her garden. Fiora glared at the mermaid. Madame Isla glared back. Finally, Fiora sighed. She wanted the statue, and hopefully she could undo whatever work Madame Isla did before anyone saw her. She shrugged to signal her defeat. Which statue is it? Zoe asked. One of the new ones placed close to the mirror garden. It has a very detailed beard. Zoe dove under the water, splashing Fiora and Madame Isla as she disappeared. Spot took advantage of the distraction to swoop down and snatch the fish. He carried it to the beach and pecked furiously, eating as much as he could before the other seagulls noticed his prize. The globs of mermaid food had flattened into puddles of green liquid on the rock. Madame Isla scowled at them as if they had done it just to annoy her. Well, so much for the food. We'll have to hope the statue is an acceptable alternative. Now come here, child. You cannot seduce a man looking like that. If she wasn't able to seduce a man naked, Fiora had little faith that she could do it once Madame Isla was finished with her. But she needed the statue, and she wouldn't put it past Madame Isla to use magic to hold her in place if necessary. So she sighed and slid closer to the mermaid. Before I decorate your hair, we should remove all that nasty squid ink. I created a potion to remove the stains from your grandmother's hair. It should work for yours as well. Madame Isla pulled a small green bottle from the net. Fiora snatched it away before the mermaid could open it. No. My hair must stay as it is. Don't be difficult, Fiora. Changing the way you look is a very effective way to catch a human man's attention and your red hair is much more attractive than this dull black. The hair stays. 
Fiora stuffed the bottle down the front of her dress. Not the most elegant hiding place, but it was the best she could do to keep it away from Madame Isla. The mermaid scowled but did not push the matter further. Very well. I will simply add more decorations to your hair to make up for the lack of color. She combed Fiora's hair with a fork, humming as she did. The song created a fine mist that swept over Fiora and dampened her hair. Fiora felt a weight on her head as Madame Isla secured the fork into a strand of hair and let it hang loose. Don't make it too heavy. Everything is heavier on land. Madame Isla ignored Fiora and tied another fork into her hair. Fiora sighed. Hopefully she would have time to take them out before she presented the statue to Gustav. Otherwise, she would catch his attention in all the wrong ways. This was maddening. Most of my research has involved sailors, but Zoe and I recently discovered a human communication charm shaped like a golden sphere. It had many fascinating records of human formal events, and I will use what I have learned to aid your seduction. Stop saying that it is a seduction. Gustav has to fall in love with me. It's not the same thing at all. Besides, I'm not capable of seducing anyone. Madame Isla's eyes gleamed. Perhaps not now, but you will be when I'm finished. Chapter 40 Gustav surveyed the wreckage strewn about the library. Colorful paper and boxes covered the floor. Servants waded through the mess, searching for places to store the unwrapped gifts. The ruby pin from Gavron still sat on Gustav's desk. Even though Elaine's test had found no evidence of magic, he couldn't shake the feeling that the gift was more than it seemed. I did warn you that my tests weren't perfect, Elaine said. I've read a lot about magic, but I have very little practical experience. It's possible I missed something. They both looked at the pile of unwrapped presents and shook their heads. They hadn't found anything, but that didn't mean there wasn't an enchanted object in the room responsible for nearly killing Lady Mare. I still don't understand why would someone want to cause an earthquake, Gustav said. Elaine shrugged. Perhaps it was a natural phenomenon after all. I have never seen so many diplomatic gifts open so quickly, Marquis Corbo said. I hope your travesties of thank you notes don't start any wars. Gustav sighed and massaged his forehead. Somehow, he had managed to open half the gifts and think of polite things to say about them in a few hours. It was amazing what you could accomplish when properly motivated. The door opened. Gustav looked up, hoping to see Lady Mare. But it was only a servant. Please, Your Majesty, the Dowager Queen would like to see you. Gustav looked back to the pile of gifts. What if the enchanted object was hidden in one of the unopened boxes? What if it caused another earthquake during the gala? Go, Marquis Corbo said. Your thank you notes are getting less and less coherent. I'll search the library for information about magical earthquakes while you're gone, Elaine said. Maybe I can find another method for testing objects for magic. Gustav nodded and left the room. He hoped his grandmother didn't want him to do anything too difficult. He didn't have the energy for another challenging task. May I have a word, Your Majesty? Gustav whirled around, prepared to flee for his life if the speaker was Lady Annabelle. But it was Kara. She wore a travel gown, sensible hat, and determined expression. I, 
I was just going to visit my grandmother. He must have sounded nervous because Kara laughed a little. I won't take much of your time, your majesty. I only wanted to say goodbye. Gustav blinked. You aren't staying for the gala? No. There's no point in that now. He blinked again. He was missing something. It will be a good party. Marquis Corbo is annoying, but he knows how to entertain. Gustav thought the comment was funny enough to warrant a laugh, but Kara simply shook her head. I didn't travel halfway across the kingdom for a party, your majesty. I came here for you. He stepped back, which made Kara laugh again. I thought I might as well be honest before I leave. King Gustav, I have had a crush on you since you carried me through the garden when we were children. You're charming and handsome and always kind. When I heard you were searching for a bride, I thought perhaps there was a chance for me. I convinced Colette to invite me to the castle a few days before the gala so I could get to know you better. She paused, and Gustav felt he should say something. He opened his mouth, but no sound came out. He shut it again and gave Kara an apologetic look. It's all right, she said. I knew I didn't have much of a chance. I'm not clever or beautiful or exciting. But I also know my worth, and I respect myself too much to trail after a man who barely knows I exist. Especially when I suspect he's in love with someone else. Her soft tone and gentle smile took the sting out of the words. A wisp of golden fog in Gustav's head whispered that Kara was right. He was in love with another woman. He swallowed. Kara, I am sorry if I hurt you. I don't plan to take a bride before I find my father. I have told my family that many times, but they don't seem to believe me. As I said, I simply wanted to give myself a chance. And now I won't spend my life wondering what might have happened. I hope you will be happy. King Gustav. You really should stay for the party. There will be enough young women there that my presence will not be missed. Besides, I received a letter from my brothers today asking if I could return at once. I am not needed here, but it seems I am needed at home. She curtsied and walked away with her head held high. Much as Gustav hated to admit it, she was right. If she hadn't said goodbye to him, he probably would not have noticed her absence at the gala. Perhaps he should have made more of an effort to get to know her. Or perhaps his family should have believed him when he said he was not looking for a bride. King Gustav. There you are. I found a book of duets in your music room. Would you like to sing one with me this evening? Lady Annabelle's eyes had that familiar predatory gleam, and she watched Kara retreat down the hallway with a little too much satisfaction. Gustav swallowed. I'm afraid I don't sing well. Please excuse me. I'm late to meet my grandmother. He bowed and hurried away, relieved that Lady Annabelle didn't follow. But he slammed the door behind him and leaned against it when he reached his grandmother's room. Just in case. The Dowager Queen raised an eyebrow. Thomas, perhaps you should leave us for a moment. My grandson seems to be in some sort of crisis. Thomas bowed and left the room. Bernadine fixed her sharp gaze on Gustav. Well? What is it? Gustav hesitated. He didn't want to admit that he had been running from Lady Annabel. It was ungentlemanly. Probably unmanly, 
period. Kara, he signed instead. She's decided not to stay for the gala. Dowager Queen Bernadine raised an eyebrow. I didn't think you knew that girl existed. I didn't. Well, not really. Not until she said goodbye and admitted that she's liked me since we were children. Well, I'm glad she found her voice at last. You said she's not staying for the gala? Gustav nodded. I didn't mean to hurt her, but I don't feel the same way. I'm not getting married until I rescue father. And I need to find the woman from the beach first. She's the one I love. He added the last bit without meaning to. He had almost forgotten about the woman who rescued him. How could he have let her slip from his mind so easily when he loved her? Dowager Queen Bernadine snorted. You'll drive yourself crazy thinking like that, Gustav. The girl from the beach is perfect in your memory because you don't know her, but a real woman will always be better than a dream. Gustav turned away to hide his frustration and studied the portraits on Bernadine's wall. Normally he would focus on his father, but today the portrait of his grandfather claimed his attention. Are your memories of grandfather perfect? You loved him. Dowager Queen Bernadine laughed. In my memories, he is the perfect husband, but in reality, he drove me to distraction much of the time. It's tempting to look back and think everything was easy, but it wasn't. It never will be. If you wait for the right time to give your heart or the perfect person to give it to, you'll never love at all. Gustav frowned. Are you saying I should have given Kara a chance? I'm saying that you shouldn't wait for things to be perfect, because even true love never will be. Don't let your concern for your father or your daydream of a girl on the beach ruin your chance at something real. She's real. She saved my life. And she hasn't made any effort to contact you since. I've had all my spies out searching for a woman that matches your description. They haven't found her. Whoever she is, it seems she doesn't want to be found. Gustav wasn't sure if he should ask for more information about the search for his rescuer or his grandmother's secret spy network. A real woman can't compete with your imagination, Gustav, and she shouldn't have to. When you find someone and are ready to settle down, I'll support you. Even if she isn't a traditional choice. Dowager Queen Bernadine patted her grandson's hand. Gustav caught her fingers and raised them to his lips in a courtly kiss. You are a gem, but I'm waiting until we find father. Don't wait too long, Gustav. Some girls aren't willing to sit around forever. Not even for a king. Are you referring to Kara or someone else? His grandmother gave him a coy smile. As long as she's real, I'm talking about whoever captures your heart. Gustav wished that Lady Mare's face didn't appear so quickly at his grandmother's words. There were too many mysteries around her, and he always managed to put his foot in his mouth whenever she was near. Besides, he couldn't afford distractions right now. He needed to focus on the search for his father. Find King Francois. Gustave said this to his ring more out of habit than hope. He stared at the light that shone from the gem, not believing his eyes. It's moving, he breathed. He's coming closer to shore. What was that? Gustav signed the words, and Dowager Queen Bernadine gasped as they watched the light track a path across the wall. It can't be, she whispered. 
Gustav stood so quickly that he knocked his chair over. He ran from the room, bumping into Thomas in the hallway in his haste. The light was moving. His father was moving. Summon a ship. He yelled to no one in particular. He heard a scuffle of activity behind him that hopefully meant he had been heard and obeyed. Gustav quickened his pace and raced through the garden as he followed the light.